Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Sebastian Show. I am so excited to have Tony Nielsen on with me today. She was a revelation, really enjoyed a wide-ranging conversation talking about spirituality, coaching, development, her journey as a musician and artist into becoming a coach. I think she is doing a lot of deep work and impacting a lot of lives. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Check it out and let me know what you think. But it's good to have you on. I'm excited to chat. Is there anything in particular you want me to get into with you? Is there any any anything you're doing, any projects, a book, any topics, anything that it's like, hey, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this? To be honest, um, my intention, I think, just for today would be one to be of most value to your audience in a way where it's not just awareness, but let's try to integrate something. So if people are listening, whether it's now or 10 years down the road, there's something there. There's like something really to grasp. So that's not a topic necessarily, but it's yep. the intention of let's hold space for some actual real growth here as well as like oh, awesome conversation. Is, oh, this is gonna be good. It's gonna be really good. Cool. Very, very cool. Um, and. You've been a coach for 20 years? Yeah, I started coaching That's, at 17, 37. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you don't look anywhere close enough to be able to make that claim. Um, yeah, that cool. sounds like such bullshit. So much of what I did early on in life started so early. I started working in the music industry professionally at 14, right? So Really? Yep. Yep, so 17. Yep, I, I had an early start to my journeys here. Did you, I, I can relate. Uh, for sure. I don't, I don't say it, but I think I started, I don't think I started running small groups and coaching, uh, 11, 12, 13, mostly in Christian circles, like Bible studies, but with, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds. So I, uh, I can relate to that. Like I would be say that my reason for, for being here, I kind of dropped into, I wouldn't say a coach cause I don't, I coaching is, I think, as a profession contextually helps people understand what you do, but I, I more regard myself as a teacher than a, a, a coach. I think. I honestly don't really resonate with coach either. I'm a spiritual healer. I love that. I was reading through it and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a spiritual healer. Okay. I love it. Okay. So, 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 uh, yeah, we got a lot to get into. So you, but you grew up in New York. So I grew up in Rhode Island. Spent a big chunk of my life in New York City. So New York City's home. Thus the Patriots and Giants. You're right in the, between the two. Yeah. Uh, this, this makes sense. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, and you were in the music industry. So so 14 years old, you get in the music industry. Grow up in Rhode Island and kind of spend a good amount of time in New York. Why the music industry? What? How did you go that direction early in life? I was, I think I was three I had a vision and I said, mom, I remember the vision like it was yesterday. I said, mom, I'm going to be a famous singer. She was like, what? How are you even old enough to know what that means? And um, yeah, I'm I'm somebody, and I. it took me a long time to realize this maybe isn't the norm. I'm somebody at a very young age. I knew what I was here to do. Yeah. I just knew. And not so music for me, you know, spiritual healer and music, music to me is not separate. It's another tool. It's another spiritual tool. And I had this musical gift and I had this idea of I had to be out there, not to be, no, not for ego purposes. I had something I was here to do. Mm -hmm. And through that exposure, I was going to be able to do it. 
And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was almost obsessive for me. If I tried to step away from music, it just, I would get pulled back in. So at 14, um, after my obsessive endless journey with trying to make stuff with music happen, started working with labels and um, started as a recording artist, wrote my own music. And then over time, um, really gravitated more toward writing music for other people. And, um, but parallel to that, as crazy as it sounds to do this at such a young age, at 17, I started working with clients. So I had these two careers. In my mind, they really weren't all that different. Yeah, I was going to say they probably, yep. But they really weren't um, that big of a stretch. I mean, I'm working with clients, I'm creating music. It's all kind of the same purpose. Yep. And um, very quickly on in my career, um, the, the spiritual healing, I realized this is so much about mindset. That is the greatest spiritual tool I could teach anybody as a shift in mindset. So my work has always been really grounded and now having the dialogue to explain that a little bit better um, certainly helps call in the right kind of clients and to make a little bit more sense now of what I was starting to do and, you know, at uh, 17 ish years old. So, uh, so yeah, early start. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense to me. I, for me, music is an incredibly powerful tool. You're, you're moving energy and frequency in a way that the whole, it can be a full body experience and integrate truth in a way that kind of passes through the conscious. So your ability to filter it into your subconscious was, I was on a, a, a call earlier today and we were talking about how fiction or art and expression is one of the ways that the collective can be exposed to the next layer of concept or truth that we're working into. And I think of, I've got a lot of examples, but you think of, uh, for me, Frozen. I don't know if you watched it, the Disney Disney yeah. movie, Let It Go, right? It was, it made me yeah. laugh because I literally would be in a grocery store and I'd hear people whistling it or singing it or an elevator. And it, it like was such an important lesson to be integrated. And it came in a way that was exposed to hundreds of millions of people. And they were able to do that work, I think, in a on a level that was deeper than than they realized. So that's really cool. Are you are you still writing music? Or are you still involved in, in the music world? So I kind of dabble now. 20 years in music is a long time. So I bought myself out of a major deal the end of 2019 with the intention of 2020 of just navigating it uh, my way. And yep. because my, my greatest successes came before I signed the major deal. One of the yep. greatest experiences in terms of, of, of learning um, through a lot of challenging situations is the worst business decision I ever made was to sign a deal. But at that point, that's kind of what you did. I was very attached to that means success, right? Yep. And, so, and so that really paused a lot of what I was passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't go back and change it, but... But yeah, I, I said, okay, 2020, I bought myself out of the deal, took quite a long time to get that to come full circle. Um, I, I had a different vision, but then COVID happened. And I got a lot of clarity on my own life. Like everybody, if you really, you know, leverage <laughs> what transpired during COVID, I changed so much. And I realized that um, where music was my obsessive passion, it was my joy. I, I have so much more joy and so much more hunger to be focusing on my practice and coaching and working with people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to compromise that. I didn't want that to be taking a backseat to music. I didn't um, want to invest time into something that I wasn't in love with anymore. 
because I've always taken my passions, I've turned them into career. And so, so a lot changed. So do I do, do I work in music? Sure. Every once in a while, I'll release something or I'll take on a project, but mostly I tell people I'm retired from music. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so you bought yourself out in 2020 and now full-time focusing on being a coach and spiritual healer. And that's where you're finding most of your joy. Do you, 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 I'm sure you still love music. Did you just burn yourself out on the, the industry? And it's the, the last 20 years has seen an absolute radical change in the industry. It's completely different. Um, so no doubt that comes with its own challenges. Yeah, you know, music for me, um, I don't want this to go negative because there's so much positive here, but the music industry is it, just a, a toxic place. So is the entertainment industry as a whole. And yep. so when you're conscious of energy and you're conscious of what you're manifesting to allow in anything that's toxic, why would we do that? That's going to lower right. our vibration. It's so much easier to pull somebody down than to pull people up, especially a whole industry. Yep. And it's not the safest industry, right? We hear these stories, unfortunately, are becoming very public now. And um, the, the, the people that I send into, I will remain, you know, allow that to remain nameless. But it, there's so much that's dynamic involved. And so to me, I couldn't, I wouldn't actually, I could have, I chose not to, hence buying myself out. I would not align myself and create in that space anymore because it mm. took away all, all the, I know it's going to sound cheesy, but like the God in it, it took away all of the, the soul in it. It took away mm. the love. And so, so will it evolve? I've stepped away from music before and I've gotten pulled back in, but this, this feels a little bit more intentional and it would have to look very different than it ever did before. I'd have to go back to being purely independent. Um, maybe me signing other people, creating a, a safer space for other creatives, right? That's always an option. So we'll see, but right now, this is so let's, so let's go back to the kind of back to where we started three years old. And I think you're, I think you're right. Um, it's pretty uncommon for people so early in life to know why they're here or to, to drop in conscious enough to know I have an imperative. I have a, a direction I'm going. Um, three years old, you know, you're passionate about music. You did that. I'm guessing all through your, your childhood into your teenage years. And then I love that you said this and I agree with you. There's certainly kind of a parallel course and crossover with coaching and developing people. And so, you're kind of laying down music in its current form. It sounds like you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you moved more into the songwriting kind of aspect of music or are you creating your own music and singing and producing music too or is, or, or is all of it or just? I started out as a recording artist and I always wrote my own music. And then this is going to age me a little bit, but um, uh, MySpace, <laughs> one of my yeah. best friends, we're still besties to this day. He released some of my music on MySpace and it blew up. I mean, I wasn't even aware that the music was on MySpace and I became number one uh, request a new artist in Sydney, Australia, then throughout Europe. And then I got crossed over into the US. This is all MySpace. I did literally nothing. He no uploaded MySpace. And Clear Channel at the time used to run every uh, major radio station. And that, that time that I crossed over in that time period, um, I was promoted. They had five artists that they promoted on every station in the U.S. Rihanna, Sean Kingston, Cataluna, Robin Thicke, and me from MySpace, right? I never intended to write songs for people in the same way that I never intended to, to step into what I call coaching, 
I'm a spiritual mm-hmm. healer and I'm a recording artist. Of course, we always continue of doing course. that. We start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course, yep. of course, it's definitely going to work out that way. Um, but I started getting placements as a writer and I never intended for that to replace um, myself as an artist, but I grew to really love it. And then I signed this major pub deal, which is all songwriting. And so that was my life. And I really did love that experience and writing for other people and just being in the space where I just got to create. And mm-hmm. I also got to separate what is creative that I channel. Um, so you're saying that you are channeling through your music? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. It's what it always is. People wouldn't really trust Um like how most people it's, it's, it's eight people to write a hook and it's 18 hours. And I'm like, I wrote something in 20 minutes and I recorded it and it was done in about an hour and a half. Why is it taking everyone 18 hours? I didn't get it. And so stepping into the realm where I was doing that around a lot of people in rooms with people. And I actually almost kind of questioned it years later. There's this one song that I wrote still hasn't been released, but it was cut by so many major artists. That was almost shocking. My friend's interpretation is that's your record. You need to release it. That's why you're right. It hasn't been released, but, um, but that record, I, I always have, it's 20 minutes. I wrote that in 20 minutes in front of two other people. We split it. They're brilliant, by the way. This is an ego. But I'm like, maybe that's not really the real story. And I came across the recording of it on my phone, the voice note. It recorded the entire 20 minutes, me saying, yeah, guys, I think I might have the majority of the songs. You want to hear it? And they're like, oh, yeah, you wrote a whole song in 20 minutes. And then I sang back, what is the majority of the song that we went with? And they were like, what the hell? channel my music i channel okay so i want i wanted to uh kind of understand that frame um helps me understand you a little bit but would you say when you as a child that you were spiritually aware what was your i I hated this it scared me it scared me so badly i would pray to god every night please make this go away I don't want to see and feel and know these things. Why? To give a little bit of context to my past and how I was able to grow up so quickly and get into some of these things so early on without doing like a full deep dive, come from a lot of trauma and a lot of abuse. And I mean, cops were afraid of my family to give some like extra context. They're like, it just wasn't a safe space. So really vulnerable things could very easily be weaponized. And I was definitely not exposing that part of myself to anybody. And because I didn't have access to teachers, I didn't have access to anyone who I thought would say, hey, maybe you have a gift versus maybe you have a psychological illness. Because at my core, I'm like, oh my God, am I nuts? You know, am I crazy? And so when people say, how do you develop it? It's like, I was born doing this and I really didn't like it, even though it's my favorite thing about life now. Okay, so... So you would say you don't remember a time in which you weren't spiritually aware. You didn't say that, but I want to, I want to clarify. I I can't remember a time. My earliest memories are moments where I channeled things. Okay. And so the, would it be safe to say that you never questioned the idea of God or, or like you dropped in fully conscious of God, creator, universe, whatever word people like to use, but that you came from somewhere and you're experiencing this life and you, you, you understood that innately. Well, 
Or how would you how would you describe that is what I'm trying to get to? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, Sicilian Catholic family, right? Yep. I did the yep. whole Catholic journey. And I didn't have a great experience uh, where I cut ties with the church. Um, what is it called? Your confirmation, I think, when you're like 14 ish. Yep. No. Um, yep. I had a much younger brother who I'd raised for the first couple of years of his life. So he was essentially like my child. And um, my mom was out of the country at that point, and my and my stepfather, but he wasn't Catholic. And they denied my five-year-old brother because of his mom. And I said, Well, I'm his godmother. Why, why are we gonna we're gonna ban him from the church? We're gonna ban him from CCD. I was gonna teach his class. And it was sort of like everything that I questioned all along, there's something off here. There's something that doesn't sit here. This like narcissistic man in the sky, you know, like that does not vibe with me. I knew to my core, there is yep. not judgment. Love is not judgment. Yes. Judgment is conditional love, which is work. And yes. God's asking us to work for his love or her love or however you want to, right? However you buy. Yeah. Yeah. And so- 100%. For me, right? It's, it's God, it's spirit, it's universe. I, I kind of circle through all of those labels, whatever kind yeah. of good in the moment. But so when you say, did I question it? I did. At that point, I'm like, if that's what God is, then that can't be this higher truth. Like what other word would that be? Like, and, and I, and I did, and I cut myself off. I just said, not doing this Catholic thing. Um, the, the pureness of a child. I mean, who, who, what God, what love denies that, you know, and, and bans that. So I went through a period of time, it's probably six months, eight months. And I just said, God, if you're real, you've got to show me what this really is. You need to make sense of the stuff that I know. And that is really when the spiritual came really front and center of my life. And this was in your mid teens, 14, 15, probably 14. I want to say like 14 ish. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't so much that you questioned God, it was more the religious container that God was being explained to you and didn't make sense anymore. So now you're asking questions going, God, help me make sense of this. Absolutely. And, and that connection, right? Because I had had always, I had yeah. always tapped into something. So I right. knew there was something that yeah. felt so true to me at my core. Yes. And what I was being taught didn't align. It just didn't. Yes. And, and that's not to offend anybody. We're all allowed to have our own different beliefs. But for me, that just was not my way. Yeah. So uh, there are some exceptions to this. But my experience has been, other than maybe the hyper-rationalists, though, I don't know, some of the premier ones, I would guess that they have unresolved trauma and things they haven't dealt with, although some of them would take offense to that. But um Generally, when I run into people who are atheist, who will boldly say they're atheist, it almost always comes down to a very negative experience with religion, right? And it's like, to me, it's like the leading cause of atheism in the world is religious people who espouse these beliefs in judgment of others that is not integrated truth or work they're doing in their own life. And then the human responds to this error in error and judges God on behalf of humans. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it, yeah. well, it's, well, the uh, judgment is creating separation because at our core, we all do know what love is. We yes. know what that is. Our and yeah. to, to validate literally what you just said, I used my brother in this. He's an atheist. <laughs> he had the young mom who's like the super spiritual, right? The sister mom. And he was, he was all into it. And then that was the moment where my brother said, no, no. Well, yeah. And I, I get it. When I listen to people who were, 
who are very anti-God, it's almost always because they're anti-religion. And I, I think religion has been the source, and there's been great debate uh, in the heavens, if you will, about how to support religion because it's a it's a chicken and egg scenario that's like, hey, is, is it worth is it worth the cost? Which is religion introduced to man creates inherently power struggles and it uses it, religion is used as a way to control people and to judge people and, and God isn't judgment. And that's hard. That's hard for the Christian circles. Well, really all of the Abrahamic religions, but to, to get beyond judgment because it's such core to a lot of their belief systems, not biblical. Um, in fact, Christ said over and over again, I did not come to judge something that uh, a lot of Christians for some reason have forgotten. Um, but I'm with you on, on that experience. I'm, it, it's cool to hear this. And, and I think there's a lot of people who are waking up right now who went through this experience where it's like, I came in knowing who God was. I was trying to find God in religion to, in order to make sense of my human experience, right? Where it's like, you're, you're, you're trying to really connect with humans. That's the, and, and so you use religion as a way to connect with humans. But if you already have a relationship with God, it's like, you just know, it's like, that's not God. I don't know what that is, but that's not God. That's not how God shows up. Um, so that, so that's that's a pretty tough thing to go through. So you have, are you the oldest? It's two siblings. You have, you're middle. So you have an. Yeah, I have an older sister. Okay. Uh, so my older sister and I have the same mom, dad. My younger yep. brother, my half brother. We have a different father, and then I have two step brothers on um, dad and stepmom's side. Okay, are you guys all close? Um, no, <laughs> I don't have a relationship anymore with my with my step siblings, but. My sister and I are extremely close. My brother and I are extremely close. And my blood siblings. Understood. Understood. So how would you define spiritual healer? I love that you use that. I read it in your work and then I saw it in your bio. For those who are listening, what is a spiritual healer? A spiritual healer. Well, I guess my definition of spiritual healer might be different than maybe what is traditionally said. Um, I've been told since I was a kid that I'm meant to have a foot in both worlds, which means I don't get, I can go radically far into the spiritual, but I'm yes. here to ground it. Yep. So when I talk about being a spiritual healer, I try to keep it in a realm where um, it doesn't sound too like woo-woo, mm -hmm. right? And even labels for me are hard. Like we were saying at the start of this, like, well, coaching makes sense to people, I mean, but, and, and we get that, but that doesn't necessarily feel like your authentic truth. You wouldn't necessarily label yourself as a coach, you're a teacher, yes. as am I, I'm a spiritual healer, I'm a creative, right? That's all of those things feel like the same thing to me. And if coach makes sense to you, awesome. I specialize in mindset, you know? Yeah. Um, so spiritual healer, what is a spiritual healer to me? I, I'm here. I feel like so much of my purpose comes down to helping people uh, suffer less to heal some of the deepest pain that they've ever been in and ever experienced and actually transform it into something that kind of looks like leverage that looks like soul purpose that looks like motivation and drive and yeah. and and that to me is what I'm here to do now you don't have to call yourself a spiritual healer to there are plenty of people who are have that similar skill set but for me the spiritual part I channel I, I'm clairvoyant, I'm clairaudient, I'm clairsentient, cognizant, all the clairs. 
Uh, you can call me a medium. Some people call me a psychic. I did a YouTube channel for like a year and a half where I did horoscopes and you can see me channel in real time. I don't identify with those labels. To me, the only ones that I've really identified with, I am a Reiki master teacher. That was one of my initial tools. I am a shaman. Um, I'm a spiritual healer. And um, I wish I could give you more grounded explanation than that. But it for me, me being a spiritual healer is someone connecting both worlds. Yeah, I love it. it the, to me, this is the group that's being called forward right now. And you, you touched on it in your frame, which is, we, had, we went through this season where there was a lot of people who were, I would describe them as being so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, right? The, the woo-woo for woo-woo's sake, they're, they're beers per se, but they're not really doers. They're not practically showing up in the world. And I feel like the group that's coming forward right now has practical skill sets that can be used in this world, the world that we're, we exist in right now but we're bringing in spiritual technology and integrating the two worlds, right? It's a foot in both worlds. Um, yes. And that's going to be a, a pretty challenging road to, to be on for some time because the, you're really representing two different groups of people who don't always align very often do not align. Right. And so um, that's, that's exciting. That's super exciting on many levels. So I appreciate you giving your definition of, of spiritual healer. So uh, as a shaman, uh, that's really cool. Uh, what's your thoughts on plant medicine and the rise of plant medicine in society right now? Obviously, you know, it's becoming incredibly popular, even um, becoming very mainstream in some in some circles. What's your thoughts on plant medicine? Um, I'm kind of obsessed with plant medicine. Anything yeah. that comes from the earth just has this other wisdom that chemicals are just not going to create in our body. Now, there's the purpose for all of it. I am not anti-Western medicine at all. Yeah. In my yeah. work practice as a spiritual healer, as a coach, I work with psychiatrists, I work with therapists, I have extended um, and built trust with people to say, hey, we don't have to have polarity here. If we're really here to help our clients, sometimes more, more than one mind is a good thing. Let's let's put all of the skill set to work, right? For the greatest good, let's get past the ego. Um, but in terms of plant medicine, um, are you asking me like specific kind of plant medicine? Yeah, what's... You, you, I guess maybe let's start with why do you think it's becoming so popular right now? I mean, it, you know, relatively over the last decade, especially a lot of studies around it. We're obviously seeing huge breakthroughs in depression, anxiety, treating, um, you know, PTSD, treating addiction. Um, but what's your, when you look at that from a, maybe a spiritual context, why do you think this is happening right now on the earth? I, to answer this in the spiritual and the grounded i'm going to try to do both uh but my authentic my most authentic answer is there's, there's so much wisdom in what the earth creates and i think yeah. people we we um are learning to become the ceo of our own health whether that's our physical health our mental health emotional our spiritual health and when certain avenues have been exhausted we're not going to say you know what i'm just going to suffer that and that's what's meant to be it's like there's got to be something else out there and yeah. I do think that plant medicine is a something else out there. Yep. And especially when you start to see these breakthroughs in people, people who have tremendous amounts of suffering, especially say with PTSD and nothing else has worked. Yeah. It's like you can't deny the value of that. So the grounded is I understand the desperation, but also the empowerment of saying what's within my control. 
I can't force these other modalities to work for me, but I can keep searching. I can keep researching. I can stay open, right? And then the spiritual piece says, well, we're all kind of waking up, as you say. And so we're waking up to, there's a lot of magical, really great stuff already available to us. But a lot yeah. of that. A lot of, there's a lot of spiritual technology that's coming back into play. I think humanity, as far as I can tell, uh, we've been here a few times uh, and in the millennia and with the great amount of pain, we're in a very unique season of transition where consciousness is pushing against the ceiling of, of the, the structures of our world. And I can't, in studying modern history, meaning history over the last, you know, we'll say last 10,000 years, this last millennia, I can't think of a time in that history in which more of our institutions are being questioned and challenged at one time. Right. We, there's, there's distrust for science. There's distrust for religion. There's distrust for our government here in the United States at record levels. There's distrust for capitalism. Marriage is being rewritten. Um, education, academia is being rewritten. And a lot of people will, will look at that and think that it's very scary. And I get why it's, it's unsettling, right? When you're, when you're in transition, I personally see it as a very exciting time because to me, it's an indication that we're about to level up. Humanity is about to level up in a big way, which isn't to say that it, it most likely won't be tumultuous. It likely will be tumultuous because bringing forth the new generally means a tearing down of the old or a, a regression of the old, maybe is a, a different way of saying that. Uh, and so seeing these modalities show back up again, I think are very exciting. And they're, they're, they're helping people in ways that modern medicine, and I love what you're saying, because I agree with you, but modern medicine doesn't have the answers. And I, I'm not against Western medicine either. It's just, he who's good with a hammer sees everything as a nail, right? It's like, if that's the tool, you know, then that's the one you're always going to go to. Instead of, we can step back in humility and start to look at, well, what's the appropriate modality? Or how do we get interdisciplinary with these so that we can really help people, right? What is this really about? Um, so you have some some experience with plant medicine. What from from that standpoint? Where are do you practice? Do you hold events? Do you hold retreats? Um, what's your thoughts? How do you use it? That is actually something that I've been researching. How can I hold space to do this? My experience with my clients who have um, uh, is it psilocybin or psilocybin? How do you say that? Psilocybin, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen I've seen what some some of what works and doesn't work because I love to study patterns. And yeah. um, I've seen people sometimes use plant medicine a little too prematurely, um, become aware of what's going on, do some of that legwork. So when you go in to that yeah. space, it's yeah. like there's already, um, it's, it's not a complete shock to your system. Now for some people just go all in if you're really desperate, you know, all healing is great. But I've seen more success in people who have committed, whether it's traditional therapy or coaching or working through some degree of trauma, they get more out of that. And that's yeah. fascinating to me. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, depending on where we are, depending on our, our mindset, our energy at the time. And of course, that makes sense. Where we are is what we're going to get more of. So someone who's done more work already and has either made some peace or acceptance, or maybe it's not that at all. It's pure grief, but they've cracked it all wide open. Yeah. It's it just, it's a deeper, more productive dive. That's the thing that started to fascinate me when I see this pattern of that's working better. So imagine now being able to hold space for this transformation 
through trauma, um, mindset, spirituality, and then also being able to add that in. I'm always, always, always trying to level up what I do to help he people heal quicker. And so that really has my attention. Plant medicine has my attention. <clears throat> Beautiful. I, I think anytime you see um, a movement start or something starts to become more mainstream, it invites the seekers into the community, right? And every community has seekers and they're it's exactly what they are. They're, they're seeking, not necessarily wanting to do the work. They're, they're there for the experience. And so you'll see that. And I would agree. I think plant medicine is generally best served in an environment where you're working with uh, trained professionals that can assist you through that process. Um, and it can be, it can be very, very intense for some people, but there's things that continue. I love that you said you look for patterns and certainly within that space, there are patterns, right? They very commonly people describe the same things over and over again that are not connected to one another, have a mystical experience, a supernatural experience, a, an understanding of God, creator, universe. It's like a, a supernatural understanding of the beingness of who they really are. And very often they see mental illness and um, addiction just drops, right? Like it, the efficacy rate for um, psilocybin as one example on depression and anxiety is like 80% versus your normal, what I would call poison, mental health, or, you know, medical, uh, um, like pills of different sorts, medicines, modern medicine is like 40% or 42%, which is not much higher than the uh, placebo. So I think it's a great modality if used, used correctly. So you like to, you've mentioned this word trauma a, a, a number of times, and it's a word that we use a lot in our society, but it's an important thing to address. It sounds like you, you help people process through their trauma. So what does that look like? And what do you, and what's your thoughts on trauma? How does it impact the human being, the human experience? Well, trauma is the illusion of a fracture. I don't actually believe that anybody has ever broken. Yes. But, but to go through something so extreme that you feel broken, that's still really valid. And I yep. know... I know what needs to occur for someone to truly feel broken. I've, I've lived that, right? Yeah. I learned my skill set at a very young age because that was my trauma response. It was to heal. It was to learn. I had to do that work for me. I didn't have access to anyone else who could do it or who could guide it. So when I'm helping people work through trauma, what is that? It is really meeting people where they are in that perceived brokenness validating it sometimes it really is just sitting in that space with them for a minute um i don't do it in a in a traditional way i'm not a traditional therapist um but i am you know trauma coaching or even spiritual healing it was all based in extreme traumas for a long time now i've been doing this for 20 years so i've seen this evolution of you know you kind of go through seasons okay it was more trauma now it's more okay how can i design a life that I really love. And now my phase now dominantly, I call on a lot of people who are experts in what they do. So it is different. Now, granted, you're still going to have all of these elements, but the trauma piece is, is probably the piece I love the most because even though the suffering is just profoundly awful, some of our greatest gifts come from that space. So if you have the mindset to look for it, if you're willing to take, not to say that you're deserving of something horrible happening to you, sometimes just really shitty things happen. It's okay yep. to acknowledge that. 
and yet still say, you know, the empowerment mindset. What does that actually look like? Well, I'm going to take responsibility, though, even though I don't deserve this. It's okay. And sometimes we do, right? But to look at something really traumatic and say, what's the lesson here? I'm going to look for it anyway. And then take that and to, to, to take something that is so profoundly painful and to make sense of it in a way that that allows you to really accept. I don't have to like it to accept it. I really think that's the next, that's, we call that like that last phase of grief, right? That grief feeling, it's acceptance. But what's beyond acceptance? That was always my question. Okay, we've got to survive the things first, I get it. Then we've got to commit to our healing. And part of healing, if we want to be at peace, is to find some acceptance. But how can we truly accept these awful things? There's got to be another step here. And to me, it's always about finding the purpose and being able to gift it forward. It yeah. is that other's mindset that heals people the most radically when you go, wait a minute, there's a reason why I went through this. Yes. I, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but I was going to say just based on your story and what you're telling me, I would offer you designed the life you dropped into. You knew exactly what you were dropping into because it was the requirement or the prerequisite for you to move into your work here on earth. Right. And some people could hear that and be like, what the fuck? Who would choose suffering? Who would choose trauma? Who would choose to be in a position where they're being abused? If you're here for a purpose, the purpose comes first. And the lessons you learn are your opportunities. And, and the things you've gone through and the lessons you've learned and the ways you've integrated don't just serve you. They serve humanity. They serve the people in your life, your family. It's like you learn these lessons, the energetic alignment that you're in now offers that and brings that into your community, right? And it helps people get free, uh, which is, which is absolutely beautiful. And I love that you, go ahead. You, you choose that. We talk about soul contracts. And when I have, I see this in clients, especially younger clients that get really mad at the stuff showing up. They're like, oh my God, this suffering. Like I said, well, if, if you sit with this, maybe it's going to sound too far-fetched. Do you think there's any part of you that could have chosen this? And if you did, don't you think it would be like a good use of your time to figure out why, <laughs> you know? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's, I, I know that I did. And so I don't like to, I'm happy to, um, to talk about with anybody ever the depth of my past and all the intricate details. Um, however, I don't necessarily always see the value in that if I can kind of simplify and just kind of give like the cliff notes version, because I don't need that kind of validation, yep. but sometimes people need a little bit more explanation for their own, just their own journey, their own understanding. And I, and I just, so I love what you said. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, and, and in an attempt to sort of explain, it's like, you know, I, I chose the best teachers I could have ever chosen in this lifetime in my childhood. I chose the yep. perfect childhood. I chose the perfect situations. I chose the perfect location. Um, all of the stuff, all of it was perfect. It literally aligned perfectly because I'm doing what I'm here and I have the skill set to do it. I have the awareness to do it. I can execute on all of that. I can help people. I can help myself. And on an even larger scale, this, what we do in our human life, all that we create, it is expanding collective consciousness. So my value in all of this the soul contracts, even the ones that really sucked to go through, right? I have so much gratitude for because that's now expanding collective consciousness too. It, it, it expands beyond just human experience. And so, because I know that I value that and that's really deeply authentic for me. I love it. I, there's a few things I want to break down in this, but I, I wanted to come back to something you said, the illusion 
of separateness or or the illusion of being fraction uh, fractionalized and that is exactly what it is it is illusion so much of the work is surrendering the illusions uh, that we experience in this realm right the 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 density of the energy here makes things feel real and it's important to acknowledge your experience is real right and i'm always con i always con i'm always concerned when i see people try to devalidate someone or invalidate somebody's experience your experience is your experience just don't yeah. confuse your experience with true reality right in, in reality yeah. beyond this this realm right and I agree with that so wholeheartedly. I mean, there is no purpose in minimizing our feelings. Right. There's no purpose. Um, that can maybe be looked at well, as a, you know, the, a lot of times it's feeling all of it and um, allowing ourselves to say the things that don't sound evolved and not jumping right to this. This happened for me instead of to me. Give yourself space to heal. I see people try to do that and I call that toxic positivity. Yeah. Um, that's that's spirituality used as escapism. It's not actually helping you heal if you're unwilling to sit in the pain and the suffering as awful as it is, that really actually is your way through. So to minimize that pain, I can I know that you're not broken, but if you feel broken, I'll meet you there. Let's let's yeah. let's start there. Experience it. Allow yourself to I think that to me, that's the gift of this world is it's a sandbox where we get to experience the impossible. Right? And what I mean by impossible is like beings who observe this realm, some drop in, some just observe without dropping into the meat suit. One of the things they constantly struggle with that I see over and over again, there's two concepts that are just bizarre to them. One is time. They really generally don't have a concept of time, which is why if you hear them say this is happening now, don't always take it as it's going to happen now because they don't really have a great concept of time because they live outside of time. So it's like, what? The other one is separateness. Like, how could you believe you're separate from God? How could you believe you're separate from everything else? Like, it's a bizarre concept, but the sandbox or the, the playground called Earth allows for that experience and allows us to deeply experience those things and is in a way that maybe sounds um, hard to believe, but in a safe, safe way. In other words, when we wake up from the dream of separation, it's like, oh, right? It's like one of my favorite questions to ask people is if you were robbed in a dream, when you woke up, would you call the police? And they're always like, what? What, what do you mean? It's like you're, the experience of this world is, is more illusory than I think um, we understand, which isn't to, again, invalidate the experience. The experience is very real, which is, I think, part of what makes it incredibly powerful. And I love what you're saying. It's like, hey, if, if you're experiencing this, experience it. Don't try to deny it or bury it, and as no doubt in your own work, you see the consequences when people bury their experiences or bury their emotions. It manifests in their bodies in lots of not fun ways that they have to deal with later on. So it's like, own those experiences, but let's process through them so that we can see the truth of it in the end, um, not by denying them. Yeah, that's the value in, in uh, work around mindset. When you have a mindset, so I look at mindset as the bridge between the outer, the external, the fear-based, the ego, like the out there stuff. I need to force the stuff to happen in the inner, which is this lack of separateness, right? It's your authenticity. That's where empowerment is. That's where self-love, that's where unconditional love, knowledge, all that divine good stuff within us is, is in that inner space. And the mindset is the bridge between the two worlds. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah. And, and so when that bridge is fractured, for whatever reason, or it's bumpy, or it's really, really hard to keep coming home to yourself, you can do it. 
We've seen people do it from like the worst places and they find some strength and they get there. But to keep doing that consistently, it's really hard to take that journey over that really bumpy bridge or fractured bridge or whatever that is. It takes a lot of effort. Even if it's worthwhile to you, it's a lot of time and effort. So we can repair that bridge and we dedicate to strengthening that mindset. It actually provides a lot of safety for us to go deeper into the traumas and the pain and the suffering. It allows us to go deeper because we know we won't get stuck there. And that's the yeah. value of seeking somebody else out if you don't have that skill set quite yet to hold that space for you. So while you're building the the that mindset bridge and repairing and and really owning what that what that is to come home to your authentic self, you can get the work done in a safe way, right? The value of seeking out someone who can who can help and support you through that. Um, and and ideally, I think not that anyone ever needs the help, but why do you come to a coach or a therapist or healer? We can help speed up the process. That's what I tell people. You don't need me because you're not broken. So I trust that in divine timing, whatever that looks like, whether you work with me or not, I know that you're going to be okay. Absolutely. If you work with me, I'm just going to get you to that point a hell of a lot faster. Right? <laughs> I've lived it. I've been doing it for a long time, but I started with my own life. So I know that this stuff works. I know yeah. that there's value. And that's okay. If you don't want that <laughs> sped up, accelerated transformation, that's okay. Maybe that's exactly your soul needs something different. I'm not going to judge yeah. it. Yes. But what is it well, to judge? Let's, let's get yeah. to work. To me, there's, there's a fundamental principle there that I really like, which is get advice from people who are where you want to be. I can tell just with talking to you that what you're teaching is an integrated truth because it's experiential to you. You know it works because this is the result you got. Uh, and yeah. it, that person speaks and instructs and teaches from a different place than somebody who's sharing theoretical knowledge. Uh, you use the word soul contract. I want to come back to mentality in a second, but you use the word soul contract for our listeners who, who maybe don't know what that means. Can you just define soul contract real quick? I'm, I'm trying my best to words we're using that maybe don't make sense to people. So they're like, what the hell is a soul contract? What's the soul contract? to me like of course we all know what so con soul contract means and no I, I i love i love that you're identifying um all of that so soul contract is at the soul level you know we say soul contract because in our human life we know what a contract is it's an agreement and we sign on the dotted line and there you go like that's yep. gonna you know unless you want to like battle it out in a courtroom or something <laughs> but um with the soul contract it's an agreement we, we agree to have a certain experience or we agree to grow in a certain way. We agree to, to help in a certain way. Um, a lot of that can happen all at the same time. But what I, and I laugh about this sometimes, you know, it's not all that funny. When, when people come uh, show up on this planet and it's really difficult, it's like sometimes the soul forgets how hard it is to be human. That totally. is, oh my God, what did I agree to? Right, I, right. All of this, responsibility for all of this. What you know, and and yet, I also like to frame it this way. So, in the human world, there's value to making money, right? If you can make a billion dollars, you're like hell yeah, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. To the soul, it's about the experience. The experience is the billion dollars. So, whether it's a hard one or it's a beautiful one, if it's blissful, if it's absolute utter destruction, it's growth. Yeah, so well said. Exactly. It's like, and, and to that point, 
Although we take the experiences and maybe generating a billion dollars with us, we don't take the money with us where the experiences do come with us energetically, which is why they are so valuable to us. It's like we sign up for those experiences. Uh, beautifully said. Thank you. And I, I love that you, you created this frame where you're saying mindset is really the bridge between the spiritual world, if you will, or your soul being and the physical world that we're expressed in. And to the degree in which our mindset is aligned, right, yeah. we function in a, we'll say, a, a healthy way or a uh, beneficial way in the world. And so upgrading, dealing with the areas in your mindset that are holding you back are really important. And as far as I can tell, you know, this is, we drop in with a base operating system and then everything else we inherit as we go. And part of the work, it, it seems most people, if not everyone, but I'll just say most for the effort of being accurate, one of the issues or one of the, the questions that they're having to confront is, am I enough? It seemed one way or another, it's that question is in the back of everybody's mind. Am I enough? Um, and they're trying to answer that question and come back to love, right? Which is, I love that you, you said this earlier, but it's like, you don't have to create love. You don't even have to seek love. You simply have to remove the obstacles that you've put in the way of experiencing love. And it, you don't yeah. need it in another. It's in you, right? And so very often, uh, it, I think learning how to love yourself is the first step in being able to truly unconditionally love other. Um, and without doing that work, it is very complicated and hard to do. I think potentially there are some back doors and some exceptions maybe to that experience or maybe different ways to explain it but I think really learning how to love yourself so can you talk about that for a little bit what, what is what is self-love to you and, and how do you teach your clients to to move into that space I love that question so much um when when I first spoke to your team they were like oh hey would you be interested in maybe being a guest speaker at Quantum Academy so I sat with it before I spoke to Molly and I did this whole, I, I just did brainstorm. I constantly have creative stuff going on all the time. And it was all about, you know, they said, what health, wealth, relationship. And I was like, what, what bridges like all of those together? It's relationship to self. So I love that you just asked me that because it was like this whole, I spent quite some time really sitting and meditating with that and channeling. One of the questions I get asked the most, especially people early on, but sometimes even regardless, what is self-love? It's like, don't you kind of want to roll your eyes when someone says self-love? Like you have, a, you have a knowing, you have a deeper knowing and you felt it and you have some integration there. But if you if you have no idea what that feels like, it's just another thing somebody else is saying on Instagram, yep. right? Yep. So so I get that. And I like to identify like that cheesiness first. Like, like let's just like yeah. point out the elephant in the room, the overuse thing, no one actually knows what it actually is, you know? Unfortunately, some of the most powerful truths have become so cliche that they have become cheesy uh, and you have to really pull back those layers to understand the deeper truth in it. So I, I hear you for sure. There's a lot of this. Look at that for what that is for a minute. Um, so, yeah, there's that cheesy part. I roll. But the reality is, is what is really empowerment to be empowered? You have to start to value yourself. To me, empowerment, empowerment mindset is saying all that stuff like out there. I have no control over any of it. So yes. what is within my control? What is within my control? I ask myself that all the time. My clients and church get nuts. What is within your control? I know, I know, but you're focused on stuff you can't change. What can you change right now? Sometimes it's just your mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, along the lines of that empowered 
mindset is to say, well, what is within my control? Well, that is how I speak to myself. That is, that is how I show up. Do I learn boundaries? Am I a people pleaser? It's learning how to, I think, to identify your worth, but really developing a relationship with yourself like you would, um, I like to call this inner child work. I think that that resonates with more people than not, because if you identify yourself as a child, there's this child part of you. Um, how good do you feel about talking shit to a little kid? You'd feel terrible. So why would you talk shit to that inner child? Listen to her, listen to him, listen to them. What what voice is there? Self-love is so much more rooted in trust. It's it's rooted in awareness. It's rooted in accountability. That's the hard part for people. You so if if the stuff isn't happening out there, that means I actually have to be accountable. If I can't live my life from a place of fear, that means like I actually have to consciously create stuff for me. I can't just give all my power away. That's the real challenge with fear, by the way. It's not that it's so scary to change. It's like, but what does that mean? You have to take accountability for yourself in your life. So to me, all of that is wrapped up. Perhaps those are the characteristics of self-love, but what really is self-love? It's how you treat yourself. It's how you show up for yourself, but it's also how do you want to show up in the world? Are you aware of what that even means? Yeah. Right. How are you going to start to challenge the autopilot shit on your mind so you're not having the same conversations and experiences day after day after day? Again. It's work. Yeah. It is, it's not it's going not. getting like a massage and like the Manny Petty. I get it. That's not what self-love is, right? That's it's relaxation. It's kind, but. <laughs> this is the work. I love it. Yeah. And, and when I when I think about self-love, for me, it's wholly, deeply accepting yourself without judgment right and that i mean that's said simply but it that is so hard for humanity to do and there's so many people are holding on to shame they're holding on to stories of other they're not forgiving themselves they're not forgiving other and and i was asked recently like well how do you let that go and my answer is always well how is it serving you to not let it go what is it what is it strengthening in you and I'm a big fan of the, I'm a big fan of the Bible. It's one of my favorite books. I've read all the spiritual texts, the major spiritual texts from the major religions. Um, and I, I try to read, I try to meet people where they're at within their religious context, but living in a Judeo, generally a Judeo Christian culture, although it's becoming more postmodern than not. Christianity is one of the, the texts that I teach from the most simply because that's the one that people are most familiar with as a whole, um, in this culture. Um, but the number one commandment in the Bible by times mentioned is do not fear. Right? And have you, the number one commandment is do not fear. Fear, in my estimation, is the closest thing to the opposite of love because it is separation from love. I would say to the degree in which you know love, you don't know fear. Or to the degree in which you know fear, you don't know love. And to me, that is the work is to, at this point in my life, I, I, I'm attracted to fear in that if I experience it, I immediately get curious. What, what is going on? What is buried here? And what is my story about? Right. And, and not fear of like danger. Danger is very real. So I'm not, I'm not talking about, Hey, I'm having an experience here where I am afraid of being eaten by a shark because I'm sitting in front of one. Right, we could maybe examine the story of, of what that is, but danger is very real. Fear is a perception. 
right? Danger is very real. Fear is a perception. And so understanding how to navigate fear and return to love, to me, is the work that humanity is on right now. How do we come back to in surrendering this idea that we're separate? So much of the, yeah. the so much of the war and violence we see in the world right now is this story of specialness that's built yeah. into I am separate from the other, right? Or my God is greater than your God, or I'm God's chosen people, or we're God's. It's just like come on, and so this is the work I think for those who are willing to stand in the gap, so to speak, or stand between these worlds and, and, and begin to, to bring people together into this. And which for me is less about, I think, learning and more about maybe unlearning and remembering who we have always been, right? So much of, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, and you mentioned that you channel, uh, and, and for some of, some of our listeners, they may have a hard time understanding what channeling is. Can you just explain that real quick? I have some questions around that, but can you just explain uh, what that is as a practice? When I channel, say, especially say in a, in a session, I'm channeling something for my client. It's how spirit's talking to me. Mm -hmm. It's not hard for me to do. It's something I've always been able to do. Like I said, as a child, hated it. <laughs> uh, love it. Now I love being able to have such clear communication with spirit, but um, it's, it's spirit speaking to me. So um, if, if I'm working with a client and the way spirit also has to assess my human knowledge, my ability to interpret, right. And so spirit says, well, if we have her feel this right now, she'll have, she'll, she'll know how to meet that person in a better place versus if we just channel words, sometimes it's a specific word or so spirit will find, um, a way to make the message make sense for me. I'm not limited to just hearing or seeing. I always ask spirit, I said, as a very last resort, like I'm okay with it. But if I cannot feel everybody's pain, like really ideal for me today. Um, so when it comes through, I know that that's, it's some of the most important messages. When I feel it, when I can actually feel, whether it's the emotion or the physical illness, or it's like, we've got to get to that. Even if my client is absolutely unaware, it's like, oh no, we're going there right now. Yep. Beautiful. So, so for you, when you use the word channel, you're referring to the way in which spirit is speaking to you. And it isn't always in, in words. It could be in a feeling. It, you could use your whole sensory to begin to understand experientially what somebody is going through and to help them. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I can see the things I can hear the words. Sometimes spirit will just show up in front of me. I've had people's family. I could actually see their loved one, um, not quite as though, I never get confused between human and spirit, by the way. Like it's not that vivid, but it's vivid. Um, you feel that presence. I can see the presence, but I don't need to channel in that way. I don't necessarily need that vivid. I'm happy to go there if it's necessary. Um, yeah. If my life, it's not in relation to a client. However, it needs to come through. It just comes through. I'm constantly speaking to spirit because I believe I'm a channel for it. Do you... Uh, are you tapping into the Akashic record? Do you find yourself going there at all or doing past life regression with people? Is, is that a work that you get into at all? So I get asked about past lives quite often. And I don't know if I'm going to like rattle some people when I say this. If you're carrying past life stuff with you, let's let's get at that. Especially with like trauma. But in the same way, I don't find it value valuable for us to be stuck in our paths, uh, pasts, 
from this lifetime, I just don't see the value in going back. What are you trying to prove? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that you need to know back then that is more valuable than the present moment you have now? So I'm conscious. There are times where it's necessary, but more often than past lives, um, it's uh, people call it like breaking um, genetic curses or it's the generational genetic uh, generational curses. That's very valid. Now that goes back to other people's lives that is more valid for somebody than like learning who you were last time, last lifetime. If if you're carrying deep traumas and it's showing up consistently and you haven't learned the lesson, that's that's valuable to know because it puts it into your awareness. Does that make yeah. sense? I don't. Oh, I'm a. I don't have. You said this earlier, and, and we were running on so many things that I didn't want to come back to it then. But you've just said it again, and you've referenced it now three times, and and I'm. I find it to be, uh, for lack of better ways, a very impressive understanding and mindset, which is you mentioned the first time you mentioned this, you said, hey, I'm happy to go into the details of my life. And you were referring to this lifetime if for some reason it is beneficial to the other. But I don't I can just give you the cliff notes and we can move on. Right. It's to me, that's somebody that has both surrendered and integrated those parts of their life. There isn't they find no identity in the story of those things that is useful. So there's not, unless it's helpful to the other for some reason, there is right. no reason to talk about it. I relate to this. I am, I am pretty shit at talking about myself because it's not a priority for me. So the, the only time I ever really talk about self as in my experience is if I think the story is somehow going to be beneficial to someone else, but I, I don't, I don't find much in that. So Although I think past life regression can be helpful for people, I find that there's the seeker community there too, that it's like, oh, I was a, a horse maiden in this life in this time, or I was a I was the king of this castle, or whatever their stories are. And I'm like, great, how is that relevant to today? And I'm not saying it wouldn't. I have a dear friend who, that is her work. She does past life regression and Akashic Record stuff. And it's a very useful skill unless you get caught up in that story. And for some reason, the story becomes more important to you than the lessons. And I do think there are things that happen to us. To me, it's one life expressed in multiple instances, which we would call lives or reincarnations or incarnations. And I think there is work that doesn't always get resolved in a particular life that sometimes needs to come back to, to either get purged or cleaned up in another lifetime. So I can see the use in that. Or like sometimes I've even seen people who have pain in their body that they've always had that is from something that happened in a past life. And you go back in there, you heal it, you correct it, and you're done with it. But I think you're 100% spot on that it's also the tricky thing with that is, is with clients, it's easy for them to get stuck there and regenerate an old identity or a story of an old experience and hang on to the story and not integrate the experience and, and learn from it, right? It's There was a time when... In my early life, my late teens, early 20s, I really enjoyed holding space and facilitating space for people to go back and begin to understand why they did the things they did. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy doing that now, but I'm way more hesitant to do that if I think what's going to happen or what I, what I see happening is the person identifies with the story and loses the lesson. It's like, right? It's like, we, right? It's like, that's what I see so often. It's like, yes, it's super cool that we understand that we're more than just this physical person in this physical body. But are you distracting yourself from your work now? 
Are you escaping from something? There are people genuinely are having an experience in this lifetime that is absolutely unexplainable. And that there's all the value in the world, being able to go back and to work with somebody like your friend. And that's what she specializes in. I can guarantee you the people that she attracts because that is incredibly valuable work. She probably does weed out the people that are just, hey, you're kind of using this. This might enable you. So let's not do this. And she holds space for people who they genuinely need that help. Absolutely valid. But a lot of times I, I've just seen so much distraction. It's like, I, I understand. I understand the curiosity. It actually is pretty cool. When you go, there's a part of me that really does believe like, who, who have I been? What have I done? You know, or, or why? Why am I dealing with this thing that showed up in my life that's so hard? Was I horrible in the past lifetime? So much of that is distracting. If it's yeah. not enabling, I mean, if it's not empowering you, it's enabling you. If it's enabling Ooh, that's you. That's so good. If it's not empowering you, it's enabling you. Dang, I love it. Yeah, that's I have a lot of I have a lot of friends in the woo-woo community in various forms of their own journey and and they often enjoy getting into these sorts of discussions and and, and they'll offer things to me about did you know that you did this in this lifetime or and I don't even contend whether or not what they're saying is accurate. My answer is always the same to them though. It's like how is this practical? How how do I apply this today? Right. Like how do how is how do I use this information today in real time right now? And if, if it if it isn't useful now, I, I'm I'm not that interested. It doesn't it doesn't serve my purpose. So right. So. right. I agree. I mean, I I also look at that in terms of any of the tools we have. If it's spiritual, oh, it's mindset, yeah, beautiful. It's yeah, I agree. That's not just the the spiritual world, that's in all things. It's like it's like if we're not integrating. If we're not, right. at, if we don't actually, if we can't put it to use. Right. If we're not doing the work with it. What is the point? Yeah. And that's the same thing I feel about plant medicine and a lot of these modalities is I think they are beautiful tools unless we get caught up in the tool and less about actually doing the work, which I think is the point, right? That you just said that really beautifully. And I think that's what I was trying to identify before in that pattern. It's like, you want, you want the fast road so that you don't have to do the work. You're not going to get as much out of plant medicine as the person who's already committed to doing the work. Yeah. Valuable when you've already dived in in some other more conscious way, because then you're not bypassing anything. You're not escaping anything. You're literally going like all in, you know, because you've already cracked wide open. So yeah, you know, Uh, a few, if, uh, a few questions here, just rapid fire around this. Do you um, do you ever find yourself channeling specific teachers, ascended masters, anybody that maybe isn't holding space in a physical body right now that you're able to interact with, or do you find do you use a more general term in spirit? And when you mean spirit, do you mean your higher self? Do you mean God? Do you mean both? Um, is there any particular characters that continue to show up for you and assist you from the spiritual side? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I channel what needs to come through. So uh, when I generally, when I'm saying spirit, it really is collective consciousness. Um, Spirit is by yourself, by the way, like, again, it's separate. So a lot of times even that, that gets, that gets, yeah, you're speaking to the level of consciousness of the person. You're right. Right. I I agree with you at at the end. It's all the same, but it's like, we we're just transcending like the, the limitations on the physical. Right. And so that spirit, um, in terms of like Archangel Michael, mm-hmm. I, I praise Archangel. Anyone who's ever worked with me knows my connection to Archangel Michael is just like crazy. Yep. Um, another one of my teachers, I think it's Ariel. Um, although 
uh, Ariel doesn't come through as, as um, in like more of like a human angelic form to me. Uh, it's always been the lion. The lion from the time I was a teenager, I remember waking up and I was furious because I had done this really cool thing with the shaman, um, the, the Native American shaman that I studied with. And I was like, I just woke up and saw a lion, like a full, I was, I was like, what did you do? I am crazy. There's no way this is normal. You know, and the lion's been with me ever since. And she said, Tony, the only people the lion comes to are leaders. She's like, that is phenomenal. I know everything about you now because that's, and, and the lion's been with me ever since. And so the lion's big for me, um, but Archangel Michael, very, there's some sort of lineage there, I think, between Archangel Michael and myself. And I call him a lot of people that tend to have that, that connection. Um, very, very, very strong. Excellent. Anybody from the order of Melchizedek? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not no one that's coming to me right now that I can say this is consistent. Got it. Cool. How about for you? Do you have any guides that come to you and with any consistency? Uh, the quick answer, the short answer is no, um, which is probably has its own reasons and explanations to it. Um, I want to push you to finish what you just stopped yourself and saying. Right. <laughs> you censored yourself. I'm like, that's the good stuff that you just didn't say. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that I, um, have any. I would say that accurately, though. I am constantly in conversation uh, with lots of different um, entities, beings, experiences. Uh, there isn't one that is like to counsel. I will say um, something that has been very consistent to me, as you were saying, the lion, um, and I agree with you, for me, it has always been dragons, which is a very, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing to say, depending on what who you're talking to. It's It sounds like a very um, fanciful idea, but I'm intimately connected with the dragon for sure. And that's so much about leadership as well. You know, it's it to me the true leadership to me is is uh, it's the leader with humility, and to me humility is not about dumbing down what you do. You can say yes, I'm very very good at what I do, and I'm also forever a student. You know, yeah. I'm always willing to learn. I I'm this isn't about perfection. You know, I can still be the expert in the room and still be the student and plenty others, and that's perfect. So when people come through and they give me those, like for me the lion, for me the dragon, I go. You understand that that's the leader with humility. That is to me a true leader because you understand how to motivate. You understand mindset. Uh, sorry, I've got a little visitor here. <laughs> um, but you also know how to soften and, and you know how to continue to learn. And um, and there's so much value in that. So when you just said, said the dragon to me, um, it was humility. It was a leader with humility, which is absolutely what I channeled from you, by the way. You know, there is that strength. You don't dumb down what you do and you do it very, very well. And yet there is humility. I can tell you're asking me questions because you want to learn more about spirituality. I think that's phenomenal. You're not trying to be the expert in the spiritual realm. You just have a ton of knowledge and you you ask a lot of really great questions. Um, there's so much humility in that. You are the exact kind of leader that we need. Thank you. That is, that is absolutely who you I are. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, we're just wrapping this up and I've really enjoyed this. I'd love to continue this conversation a couple of different ways. And it's been just lovely to get to know you, um, on camera. Um, 
where do you think we're going right now? 10 years in the future, what do you see? Well, you said something that really resonated with me, this leveling up, this collective leveling up. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, if you look at that on a micro scale, it is sometimes complete destruction. Have you ever seen somebody just hover right above like rock bottom and they hold on to that so tightly? And it's like, dude, if you just cut that and you just hit rock bottom, you will see like the greatest transformation in your life. I kind of see that yes. happening um, uh, for the collective consciousness, for the, you know, on the, the macro, um, in the macro sense, like you said, there's going to be suffering, but in suffering, there's learning. We can also choose as human beings to eliminate a lot of unnecessary suffering too, but that's, that. yeah, it's going to require the getting past the ego and all this polarity because <laughs> yeah. you live polarity, right? Yeah. So, but the, the leveling up, um, it's going to require conscious work, but we have so many people on this planet right now who are more dropping in with that skill set isn't hard. Like there's something you said before, and I actually wanted to come back to this. It might actually be hard to bridge those two worlds. I promise you it's not. I've been doing it for 20 years. I've worked with people who absolutely think that what I do is bullshit and I can get through to them. And they're like, oh my God, there's so much value in this. I might choose yeah. a different dialogue instead of spiritual. I might keep it in the practical psychology realm. Totally. Whatever, right? It really yeah. isn't that hard. It's, yeah, I agree, it, with, it I agree right. with you meeting people where they're at though. Um, yeah. So I just want to challenge that little piece because I don't want there to be this limiting belief out there that this change is like this impossibly hard thing. It absolutely is not. It isn't. Even where there's polarity, if we're not really separate, then we've got something in common. So find that thread. Oh, beautifully said. Yeah, and I I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, the It's learning to use the the language of the people that are in front of you. Right. It's like use the language that they will understand and it will get easier. Um, it's it's I think we live in a very exciting time and I'm incredibly hopeful for the future. Sometimes we have to to give up to go up. And I think we're going to see a restructuring of a lot of things that could seem very tumultuous. But you used a word that is one of my favorite words. Choose. We get to choose how this how we move forward. Uh, and I'm and I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that we're going to ascend. I think this has been a massive experiment for some time to see uh, under these conditions, humanity can pull it off. And it appears as far as I can tell, we've been here at least three times. Uh, although this is the first time we've got there this particular way. We've been here three times and we have an opportunity to ascend as a, as a, as a people group, as a being. And I'm hopeful that we're going to do it, but it takes more people like yourself who are able to, hold space and hold consciousness and give people practical tools and, and mind and shift the mindset so that they can sustain uh, what is necessary for humanity to evolve. And so I'm super excited about it. A um, couple last questions here. If you could have put a billboard in Jacksonville right now, what would you put on your billboard? I think I would put on the billboard. What is within your control? I would just ask that question. What is? Yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite, one of my favorite frames to use. Personal responsibility is a huge part of my message, uh, and you know, when you're when you're speaking personal responsibility, that you're not everyone's going to love you. Um, love it. Uh, uh, the second question is, what book do you find yourself recommending more than any other? Seed of the soul. Seed of the soul. Yeah. Or did you say speed? Yeah, seed. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Seed of the soul. 
every time yeah. I read that book, it literally, I don't read oh. it. Yeah. I don't, I don't read it multiple times in a year. I, there's usually some, some gap in between, but every time I go back and read it and I expect to, okay, I'm just going to refresh my memory because I just like this content. It's literally like starting over. Yeah. Um, yep. That's the one I recommend the most. I mean, I, I can recommend a lot of great books, but to me, especially because I do still live in that spiritual space and my clients want to like, like start there. And then also when you get really comfortable in the space, then go back and reread it again. It's very, very, very good. It's very accurate. I love have you, uh, have you studied or read any of Hawkins work, Dr. David Hawkins? I only brought it up to you because you were saying that I felt prompted to say something about it. Um, uh, he wrote power versus force, um, truth versus falsehood, the eye of the eye, eye of the ego, um, letting go. Something tells me you may enjoy his work. Anyway, maybe worth checking out. Definitely. I'm definitely going to order some books. <laughs> Let me wrap up here. Thank you. It's meaty stuff, but I think you'd appreciate it. Well, very cool. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I would love to do this again. Um, and it's been really fun getting to know you some here. And uh, I think you're doing an amazing work. I, you're, it's cool to hear how you were explaining and articulating the work that you're doing. It is obvious that you have done a lot of deep work yourself and thought very deeply about the things that you're doing, which is, I love seeing people in that space and operate in their genius, which is very cool. Where can people find more about you, your work, your music? Uh, how do people get more in, in touch with you? Website, um, myempowermentmastery.com. So myempowermentmastery.com. I am on Instagram, uh, Tony Nielsen official. I kind of blend businesses there because I've been really anti-social media for some time, which it's funny. Mom was telling me about that same. Yeah. <laughs> Here, just keep saying, dude, you got to put yourself out there again. So I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, and I'm really trying to honor that in a, in a way like as long as service to others, I'll show yeah. up. You know? yeah. um, so you can find me there, but I think the most authentic place would probably be my website, myempowermentmastery.com. You can set up a free consultation. If any of what I shared here resonates, um, book sessions or packages, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, my email is a great place to reach me as well. I'll answer all emails. That's, that's, that's me. And we'll link it in the, in the show notes. What kind of person do you feel does best with you? Like who is it? Who usually do you find is seeking you out? So right now, I know I sort of, uh, well, I did, I mentioned this a little bit earlier that I'm at the stage of my career where I call on a lot of people who are experts in their field. So I work with therapists that have full practices and professors and coaches and professional athletes. I don't need people to be at that level though, to be a good match. My absolute non-negotiable to, to answer this question for you with the most clarity is I will not enable your dysfunction. So if you want to show up in a victim mindset and you are really committed to staying there, I'm not doing that drama hamster wheel with you. <laughs> if you're willing to show up and like do the work. I mean, I have, I have lawyers and people you'd never think have any interest in anything spiritual. And quite honestly, word of mouth. Well, you did great work for so-and-so. There's some trust there, right? There's that social proof, but it, they're, they're like, let's stay in the mindset realm, you know, all fine. All of that's good. When you work with me long enough, you, you understand the rest of it anyway. Um, yeah. and, and I've seen people really expand spiritually, but it's, it's not mandatory by any means, but it's, if you're in a victim mindset, please get me. If you're in a victim mindset, you don't want to be then come find me. I've got you. It'll feel a little like boot camp, but, um, but yeah, I, otherwise show up. I'll meet you where you're at. And, um, 
uh, it's very different. My sessions are different person to person. It's very personalized. It's very, um, it's, it's important to me that it's personalized. I can relate to that and taking a, an interdisciplinary approach where you can use the shared common language of the person you're talking to so that you're not out of touch in your language. They don't have a hard time understanding, right? Like if you, if you deeply understand the truths that you're operating from, you can use biology, you can use psychology, you can use physics, you can use religion if you need to. You use you meet people where they're at. And also to be willing to, because I look at this work as creative work. In a split second, what tool you're going to pull out of your toolbox to connect with that person in front of you right now, that absolutely would have been wrong for the person you just spoke to an hour ago. Totally. Yeah. Right? And so, so that's that personal approach, like, even person to person, session to session with the same person, it's okay if that looks completely different. I've got you. Well, it, I love that you're saying that because that demonstrates a mastery of the work you're in. It's not a algorithm. It's not a theoretical structure. It's not a formula. You're meeting the person where they're at, which definitely means it will change from session to session, person to person, because everybody's different. Everybody's having their own subjective experience. So this is beautiful. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Sebastian, for having me on. This is so nice connecting, and I'm really I'm honored to um, to share some space with you and your audience.